Welcome, guys, once again to the MMOs.com podcast, episode 146. Altai here, joined by the one, the only. Omer. <laughs> All right. I'm always the one and only. The like one it. and only. All right. So uh, what have you been up to this week, Altai? Give us a quick uh, recap before we jump into the weekly raid. Well, I'm still here in Turkey. Uh, I took a little nap earlier today, so I'd be well-rested for this uh, time zone differential podcast. Yeah, it's like 3 a.m. for you, or 2 a.m. 2 a.m. Right? Yes, 2 a.m. Mm-hmm. Makes bit, it a little spicy yeah. for you. I've been eating out, uh, watching Donut play Persona. Uh, she's pretty bad. She's playing on. She's playing on easy. I'm the yeah. I'm the one who stopped her from playing on like this. There's a mode below easy. It's like uh, there's a term for it. It's like like uh, story only or something, right? Where if you yeah. pick that mode, you can't you can you can't change it again because they don't want you like using it to skip. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, I, so she did not pick that mode. I stopped. I stopped good, that from happening. Good, good choice. Good choice. Good yeah. choice. <laughs> it's too embarrassing if she picks that one. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, besides that, just been chilling. Cool. What about you? I've been playing Final Fantasy fourteen, as you probably guessed, uh, a little mm-hmm. bit less than usual. I've uh, been kind of waning down. I've basically gotten really good ratings on all the par- all the raids already done, like really good parcels already. So I'm just kind of doing my weekly resets, which is going to be ha- actually there's a weekly reset today. So after the podcast, I'll be playing. But over the last two, three days, I've been playing a lot of Rust. Something dragged me back in. Rust? The game. You call that game, I think, the Purgatory. Yes. So I've said Rust is the kind of thing like I would use as punishment for someone who has like to serve out his time in, before he goes to hell or heaven. Like like 10,000 years of Rust. You just spawn naked with this rock. You know, you got to go through this process of gathering a few things and you die and you start over again, over and over again. No progress. No, <laughs> nothing. There's Rust would be your ideal game all time, and I say this because I've noticed something. I've always noticed this, but I've I, it's been drilled down into me again since I last played. It's actually the most toxic environment I've ever seen in an online game. More toxic than like PUBG lobby. More toxic than like League of Legends games where people are frustrated and losing. I I played for like six seven hours yesterday, right? And I can't tell you every single encounter I've had are people just yelling, "Fuck you, you faggot! Come over here!" Like just literally just yelling at you. And when they kill you, they're just like, "Ah, oh, you fucking faggot! You suck at this game! Ah, oh, you couldn't hit me once!" Ha ha! Like they don't even like kill you because you're on the ground waiting to die. And they're just they're just they're just yelling at you until your your character dies. This must have happened like 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 thirty times. <laughs> it, it is. It's. I'm not, I'm not sure if Rust is just a magnet for the most angry people in the world, or it's just the gameplay itself kind of makes people into angry assholes. By the way, I love it. I fucking love Rust. It's an amazing game, and I love like the the raw toxicity, the raw like it just you can just do, you know the, the the risk and reward, the loss. I think it's an amazingly fun game, but it, it's such a toxic environment, and I'm not sure if it's the, if it's a game that pulls these people in or it just turns normal people into angry people. That makes me think. Imagine like uh, those ain't, those old philosophers were around, like the guy, the one who thought like people's nature was like the noble savage, like people are good. Mm-hmm. The guy who thought people were bad. Like, do you think seeing Rust or, or like modern internet like arguments would change mm-hmm. the, those ancient philosophers' minds? <laughs> Probably, because <laughs> maybe. I think I think Rust is a good example of like the unvarnished um, like side of humanity. Like I th- I think honestly I think there's there's that inside all of us. Yeah. Yeah. And we can just we can just release it in games like Rust. There's uh there's definitely some philosophical discussion to be had for Rust and, and you know toxicity and whatnot, but we'll we'll save that for later. We, that's yeah, we, that's true. Right, we'll save that for later. Uh, so this weekly raid is a surprise mm-hmm. to you, Omar, because I, I I whipped it up as you were t- chatting with people during the pregame. I mm-hmm. reused uh, uh, a banner we had, unfortunately, but 
the title is is unique. So are mm-hmm. battle royale games the future of esports? I have been an esports skeptic for a long time. I st- I still kind of am, but just I read an article this week about uh, H1Z1, which is like uh, the shit tier third rate uh, battle yeah. royale, right? But they're doing a they're doing a uh, tournament in Las Vegas, and the cool thing about this is like well, first of all, I always thought it was kind of cringy to have an audience full of an arena full of people watching like ten people on a stage like five on five like league. Mm-hmm. It just didn't seem um, as epic, you know. Like you know, a, a soccer game is huge. It's a big arena, right, in the middle. Yeah. A basketball game is a big arena in the middle, you know. So. The MOBAs always looked weird to me, like like five on five on this little uh, stage, right, with this huge arena. Mm-hmm. But uh, this game looks amazing on an arena. So if you do a battle royale, players on an arena, that seems too much. Like you said, a soccer game is like how many people play soccer in a, on the field at once? Like 20, twenty? I don't know, twenty-five. But uh, anyway, less than that, isn't it? But the arena, the, the visual intake is big because like the, the the stage is big, the the play area is big. So with a uh, battle royale, so if you look at this thing, I'm uh, on stream. So this is the arena they're going to use for the H1Z1. It's this cool-ass circular uh, ring of players, right, of, of, of uh, seats. And there's, like, there's like big lights in the middle and stuff. It looks cool. Like, it, it, fills, it fills your eye. You know, it fills your visual space. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I think this is a – if they can pull the logistics off, because it's really hard to get 100 people, 100 setups. How many times – remember League of Legends? Omar and I used to watch League of Legends and Dota. Uh, the world championships, and there'd be like a match where there's a technical problem, like, and they just they just have to wait for Restart thirty. Restart the match. Yeah, or like a thirty minute wait of like because they can't they don't have internet, you know. <laughs> yeah. So so can you imagine the um, multiplying effect of of those technical problems if you if you first of all this is this is impossible. I, I've been playing PUBG like a decent amount over the last two three weeks, and you cannot go like three games without the game crashing or some kind of bug or some kind of issue with the game. And my friends, I kind of made like a joke about it now. Like it's just like if you can if you can just play like a lag free version, like game of PUBG, like like three four matches in a row. Yeah, that that that's like you know you hit you hit bingo. It's near impossible. So they're gonna pull off a hundred players to be able to play a single match without any issues. I guess they have a land client that's well, specifically like made for this. It might work. Well, remember H one Z one is a is a few years older, so maybe oh, their yeah, client is PUBG, more. Yeah. Well, and I think PUBG is trying to get here too, and uh, you know it might take a year or two from here. I don't I don't know, and that's one of the issues I brought up in the weekly rate. And how ready is um, the hardware and software and logistics to handle something of this nature? I mean, it's interesting that H one Z one is still around and still you know getting people excited for. It. I think they're they're a little bit late. I think PUBG and Fortnite kind of has everyone's attention right now. So do you oh, think? Hey, uh, when is this event? We should go. I should go at least. Uh, yeah, it's April twenty first, so pretty soon. Do you, oh, April, what, 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 I don't know what day it is. It's April twenty five. It's already it's already started. You might have missed it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So this happened this week apparently in Las Vegas. Um, I don't think H one. I don't think this will save H one Z one. So don't get me wrong there. I, I think I think it'll be replaced by it is replaced by PUBG and Fortnite. But if this was Fortnite, can you just imagine this this kind of arena? Uh, if it works, I think it has a real chance. Of actually entering the mainstream, because if you look at the player base for Fortnite, and especially in America and in Europe, right, it yeah. it is it is at a level unmet by anything in the past, even League of Legends. Because remember, League of Legends is uh, worldwide, and I would yeah. and the majority of players, the vast majority, are in Asia, China, Korea, Taiwan. Uh, whereas Fortnite is as big as it is today, purely in America and Europe. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah, so. 
if it, if it can be an esports spectator sport, it has the backing, the, 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 the you know people who are in, who know what it is, who can watch it, uh, to 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 really take it to the like the level of like basketball or baseball or something. You don't think so? I would love to see. I, I would love to see it happen, but there's something about spectating a game like I. I, I think I spectated. I think one or two matches of uh, PUBG, like and like tournaments. It's it's a very weird thing to watch because I don't know. It just it doesn't seem as like as exciting. But then again, the camera could always pant like where things are happening and stuff, and it yeah. could make it exciting. I don't know. I'm I'm not sold on the concept yet. All right, let me try to sell you one more time. All right, sell me one more time. Okay, imagine this stage right with a hundred people in a circle. Yeah, but every, so and then when you die, your the lights around your station turn red, and you hear a noise like, Err, and your seat moves under you, like closes under you, and you fall down a chute. You get you get thrown into that's an alligator. Yeah, that's that trapped. You that fall into awesome. an alligator pit. But, okay. All right, all right. Then I would watch. If you put the alligator pit in there, I would watch. And there's cameras playing down there, and you can see a guy falls in like. Alligators destroy them on camera. Oh, that would that would be mega hype. I mean, there's some real life battle royale shit going on. I, I would pay to watch that. That'd be that'd be awesome. All right, <laughs> but like the, you just sold me. I'm in. <laughs> but think about it. Fortnite is so goofy anyway. Uh, obviously, it won't be real alligators or anything. But right, hold on. Real, before before we leave the alligator uh, uh, pit uh, example, would you compete in that game if you win? You know, if you win. You win a billion dollars. Would you compete? No, I would. I've only ever won like three games of Fortnite of like the hundred I played, or more than hundred I played probably. Um, so I am not the person to compete against. I'm curious, Alligator. everyone in the chat, would you compete in a hundred player game of Fortnite or PUBG? And if if you die in the game, you fall in the alligator pit and you die. And if you win, you win a billion dollars. I'm curious, maybe Wacko might say yes. It's, remember, the, the only rule is you're playing not against. You, it's like a it's like a solo queue game of you know everyone. So it'd be like a, you won't you won't be playing just against pros. That could be pretty fun. I, I probably wouldn't do it because I suck. But if that was Wacko, I might. That'd be crazy. Goes in. He's excited me up, boys. <laughs> That'd be hype as hell. Also, uh, for those, uh, someone mentioned, um, how do you like, keep track of all these players? Uh, at least this H1Z1 tournament is teams. So it's a, it's like the max number of players per team competing. So it's not in the, it's not 100 teams. Like It's not 100 individuals. It's uh, presumably 25 teams of four. So it's a little easier to uh, spectate that way because they're always the four are always traveling together, presumably. Mm-hmm. I, I I think this this at least is a has the potential to be a real spectacle on TV. Like you can wa- you can watch this. You know, like also a round of like Fortnite, right? Takes what twenty minutes, thirty minutes, right? Yeah, like that. yeah, they're pretty short. Yeah, I mean compared to this open ended league game, especially Dota. A Dota, I've I've been to multiple uh, you know international tournaments for uh, Dota. And around time could be anywhere from thirty minutes, you know, the GG, to like, like an hour and a half, you know, if you include the the, the you know, banding and picking phase. And that's you know, it's too inconsistent. I feel the whole circle shrinking is, I think, a great feature um, for uh, battle royale because it, it there's always the exact set length. It's always the exact same length each each match. I actually think um, the good thing about Fortnite and PUBG as an esport. Versus a game like uh, League of Legends or Dota, like it's very intuitive to know what's going on. So, like, let's say like you're watching a game of PUBG on like ESPN four or whatever, and like your dad walks in or your uncle walks in, he can look at the screen and have an idea of what's going on. Just try explaining Dota or League of Legends to like your uncle who's never played video games. You think, what, you know, oh, this hero does this. They gotta kill. They gotta kill the Baron. They get a buff and they can push this lane. No, they they know what's going on. 
at least if you look at PUBG, like, okay, he's got last man standing wins. You know, the yeah. guy with the gun. You can explain it with one sentence. Like, even even Overwatch or Counter-Strike, if someone, if your dad walks in and you're trying to explain, okay, what's going on? How do, how do they win? Oh, they kill each other. But then they see, like, it resets, right? Oh, yeah. no. They're just seeing, then they switch sides and see who can plant the most bombs because the maps are uneven, like, by design. Yeah. Okay? Like, like, yeah. like, it doesn't make sense. Like, <laughs> whereas this game, no matter what's happening, no matter how wacky it is, like, you know, you're building in Fortnite, right? Oh. There's rocket launchers. All you got to tell your you know, dad or whoever it is, okay, last man standing wins. He's the winner. And he they'll w- get it, yeah. Yeah, they'll get it. Like, it, it just clicks. So I think uh, Wacko made a good point. Pro Fortnite is literally impossible to follow, especially if you don't play Fortnite, because the building mechanics are actually quite insane. You watch a really good player in, in uh, like, like Ninja play Fortnite, like, the amount of building he does, it's, it's weird and hard to follow. Whereas yeah. I think a game like PUBG is much easier to follow without the building. But do you think so for... Uh, PUBG would be a little better for it. But do you think... But Fortnite's uh, bigger. Do you think, though, uh, for, again, like a non-gamer, it, Fortnite is any more difficult than, let's say, Overwatch? Like, you're pushing this cart along... Uh, one guy's a gorilla jumping no, down. No, Fortnite, Fortnite is still easier. It's still yeah, much yeah, easier. Exactly. Right? The last yeah. one standing wins. That's it, you know. And yeah. you all have actually the same shit. Whereas you have different heroes and whatnot in Overwatch. Yeah, that's that's. It's IML. much easier to follow. Right, I so, think actually, um, while while on the the battle royale topic, I mean, I do think Fortnite and PUBG will push the boundaries of esports, considering just how massive these two games are. But I like to, I would like to see battle royale in other genres as well. I think we we already know that you know. There's rumor. I think Battlefield is working on their own ba- uh, battle royale game. I think there's rumors that Valve is going to be working on some kind of battle royale game at the CS:GO. And there's, you know, there's a there's a foreign player battle royale coming out called Mavericks. But I would like to see a battle royale in MMORPGs as well, because after all, this is called the MMOs.com podcast. And uh, there was a, there was one game, this Chinese game, actually. Uh, well, actually, there was Path of, Path of Exile did their April Fool's battle royale mode, which I think is becoming a a regular occurrence in the game. But there's a game called. Um, I had to put news article up for it. A game called Moonlight Blade, which released their own Battle Royale PvP mode. What do you think about that, Altai? Take Moonlight- a look. Moonlight... Okay, where, where are you? All right, let me see it's this. Home- I'll link it to you in the yeah, podcast yeah, I see, chat. I see, I see. Let's put the video on there. Take a look. It's, Moonlight- it's a game that's available in, in, in South Korea and China. Developed by NetEase. We did a, we did a Grindfest Friday video yeah, for this game. I remember. Over a year ago, I think. Yeah. So it's in an MMORPG, and I feel like if, if they... And, and, you could say Fortnite, not you could say that a game like Path of Exile is a little bit different. I know League of Angels did their own bullshit battle royale game, but that's, that's a browser game. This is a real MMORPG, a traditional MMORPG, and they implemented their own PvP mode for a, a battle royale. Yes, it looks a little bit wonky, a little bit janky, but if, if they can pull it off, like why can't we see? Um, I would love to see Blizzard implement some kind oh. of uh, battle royale into, into World of Warcraft. Und- that could work. Undoubtedly, they will. Because undoubtedly, undoubtedly. guaranteed, you got all that guarantee. I guarantee you, they're gonna do a battle royale. Uh, like it's, it's gonna be like you queue into it, just like the Reno's. Yeah. Remember when even even in vanilla they had that forty man Ultra Valley, so they clearly can handle that many, you know, that, that number that number of players. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Or Final Fantasy fourteen. I think I think we're going to see more traditional and more PGs jump on the bandwagon as well. And kind of kind of to reminisce here. I feel like Alterac Valley was pretty ahead of its time. You know, like in 2004, oh, yeah. you had like, how many players was it? Was it 40 on 40 or was it 20 on 20? It was pretty big. It was huge. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Somebody said uh, South Shore versus Tarn Mill was always just a massive battle royale. I don't know. I, uh, that's, not, that's, that's, that's like a team on team thing. That's not like battle royale. <laughs> yeah. It, it's not quite, not, not, not quite the same. It feels like a cluster F of just players mashing into each other. But I think a battle royale game, if done by Blizzard, it, it could work really well. I mean, it, it, it could integrate into WoW, 
And I, I don't know, I want to see more RPGs do it because, you know, it can exist outside the game in its own PvP queue. So they can even, like, redesign, like, some parts of the game around that. Like, I don't know, I think it'd be, I think it'd be a lot of fun. Because I think, and we've said this for a while, too, and more RPGs are more than the sum of their parts. So just adding some third, some new PvP mode. You know, for example, Final Fantasy XIV added this really bizarre mobile game mode, right? A PvP mode where there's, like, three lanes, you got to push towers and shit, right? It sucked ass, nobody plays it, right? But they tried it. It, it, was, it was neat that they tried it, right? Yeah. And they can do that. And more RPGs can do that because they can add to their queues. And maybe we'll see a Battle Royale game coming into some of the bigger and more RPGs eventually. I think so. I think we're going to see the Battle Royale style in lots of different genres, like you said. Mm-hmm. Uh, even Darwin Project, uh, which went free to play this week, mm-hmm. is a little different because there's some more gathering involved, right? Like they're building yeah. it. It's only 10 versus 10 as well. There's yeah. only 10 players in the game. So it's a little different. Mm-hmm. So we'll see more of that, definitely. Now, whether it'll. I honestly don't think anything. I think Fortnite is the is the runaway top here. Nothing's gonna nothing's gonna beat that anytime soon. Don't WoW got Pokemon? Yeah, Pokemon has like these pet battles now, which pet I've, battles. Yeah, I, yeah, shit like that is what makes it more pages great. I've been saying that for a long time. You know, I I, I like the whole uh, whole package in WoW. Brings everything together quite nicely. Maple, a lot of stuff to do. Maple Story Battle Royale. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Maybe, maybe. Actually, I do want to talk about Maple Story too, but we should mention that you mentioned Darwin Project. The game actually just went free to play this week, this last week. It was an early access to cost money. And it's weird because you have games like Fortnite and PUBG, which were both already, you know, out and Fortnite was free to play. I don't know what Darwin Project was thinking, charging money. So they they just how dare access, like, they? Yeah, maybe it sounds kind of stupid the way I just phrased it. Like, how dare they charge money? But it only it was peaking about 250, 300 players online in a day. Right, and now that they want free to play, they're doing, they're hitting it. Uh, looks like a twenty-four hour peak of over twelve thousand since going free to play, from three hundred players to twelve thousand. Wow! Obviously, those numbers may not stick. It's only been about a week or so, but the game is popping right now. And they said they want free to play because players who bought the game were waiting forever to find matches, right? Because like nobody's playing this game, and this was a good solution to that. And this kind of makes me think there's a small chance if Lovebreakers were free to play, it could have seen you know bigger numbers as well. Small project, small chance. But at least you know, Darwin Project, it's it's so much better that they decided to go buy to play than just free to play than just sit there as a buy to play game and slowly die. Have you tried that game yet, Darwin Project? No, no. Okay, my buddy Zim has and he loves it. Says it's really it's like yeah. yeah we, we, we should play. play. We should try that sometime. Mm-hmm. Somebody said, I bet Bless will go free to play. It might. I think I think I, th- I think BDO will go free to play as well. I do want to admit that I was wrong. I've been saying that Black is online will go free to play much quicker. I think I predicted it'd be going free to play last year, and I was way off the mark on that. Like at least maybe I was off by like six months at least. But I think Black Desert Online is will still go free to play eventually, especially with all the the cash up heavy stuff they've been doing over the last you know three, four, five months. And I think Blessed will eventually go there as well. But Blessed probably will remain by to play for a while, at least as long as you know Black Desert Online has been. Indeed. All right. Well, that was my weekly raid. Uh, I am. As you guys might know, I am I am the esports skeptic usually, uh, but I think there's a great potential with Battle Royale to make a spectacle out of the actual arena. So obviously, I'm not alligator pitch is a joke, but with the with the whole hundred person setup in the arena, you know, people maybe coming in, tagging in, or whatever. Like there's there's a lot you can do physically in the space with that stage that you couldn't do in a game like a MOBA. Um, oh yeah, definitely. So hopefully, there's some innovation going on there. Uh, I think we're going to see some fun visual spectacle uh, stuff coming out of this. 
All right, I want to talk about Maple Story 2. Uh, we talked about it last week, obviously, but this week, um, actually, just yesterday, Maple Story 2 sent out their closed beta invites. I'm curious, did you, did you get yours? Did you sign up for it? I did not, no. All right, well, you got You should sign up after the podcast. Make sure you get into wave two or three. Okay. There'll be three waves of invites being sent out. Wave one already happened yesterday. I got my invite already, so I'm pretty hyped. So, uh, yeah, if, just check your email if you didn't already do so. You'll, be, you'll know if you're in or not for the, for the May 9th closed beta. A few people already in our chat saying they didn't get their invite set to face. Uh, hopefully, it, you'll get in two or three. Is it, an, uh, and is it non-disclosure or whatever? Or can you... I'm pretty sure. No, no. I'm pretty sure it's open to everyone. Oh, you just stream it. It'd be fun. I'll watch that. Yeah, yeah I, I definitely will. Actually, I'm mega hyped for it. Mm-hmm. And actually, one of my friends sent me this uh, this picture from MapleStory 2 from the Korean version saying like, holy shit, you can buy this for $2. And it looks like it's, uh, it's a player-crafted item. I want to show it to you. Uh, maybe not stream appropriate, but we're going to roll the dice on this one, all right? It's MapleStory 2, but it may not be stream appropriate. Really? Yeah. I'm clicking it. It's uh it's it's a it's a it's a hat you can buy for your character that's just like this hente face. It's the Ahego. Oh, it's 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 fine. You no. can't tell she's just sweating, right? You know, she's sweating. She's just sweating. She's just that's all that is on her face. It's just some sweat. Yeah. So I get I, I love the fact that players can import their own models into the game. Like that alone is really scratching that service. Remember we had this pretty lengthy discussion, I think uh, at least a few months ago, about the next generation of MMORPGs. And how games have to be more reliant on player-created content. And I think Maple Story Two is a great example of at least they're handling it well in one facet, like in terms of uh, the social elements, in terms of cosmetics, and the housing is kind of all around player-created content. Yeah, I, I'm actually I was actually shocked that we've seen so little of this in MMORPGs. Uh, Second Life basically was all about this, and we we did see it in things like Minecraft and Roblox, but those weren't really MMORPGs, right? Yeah. So I, it's a really shame that we haven't seen it. Uh, until a game like Maple Story Two came along, so better late than never. I don't think we're ready to. Re- I mean, not necessarily ready, but I don't think it's really been. Um, we have the technology, or just we're not ready for me around the gameplay front. We're like all the gameplay is designed by their players, right? Because I know Neverwinter has tried that with their um, player created adventure system. It's actually a really good system for telling stories. Players create their own dungeons, their own narratives, their own storytelling throughout, like an instance dungeon, and some of them are actually really good. But it, it exists in its own instance world, and, and it exists as a separate part of Neverwinter. Right? Neverwinter has its own main story quest with really you know good voice acting and, and story, and that exists kind of as a side thing you can do whenever you want. I would eventually this and, and in Maple Story too, the game has its own you know traditional gameplay as well. The the player created content comes in in the form of cosmetics, where that's all done by players. So it's only doing it in one facet. So I know Neverwinter did it on the gameplay facet. These guys are doing it in the cosmetic facet. I think eventually. I mean, I want to see the next generation of RPGs. Next big thing. Next, the next World of Warcraft, essentially, I think, in the MMO space is going to be all player-created content. And again, yeah, it follows with Web 1.0, Web 2.0, Web 3.0, like where we are today on the internet, even. Oh man, you know, you know, that's a good way to date yourself if you use the term Web 2.0. Like that yeah. when when we were like in high school, that was like the buzzword. The buzzword, yeah. But that kind of it, it still makes sense to me. It absolutely makes sense. Look, Web 1.0, for those that are not old as fuck like we are, uh, was basically websites created by people. Like MMOs.com is Web 1.0, actually, where all the content is created uh, by, by, by some people, right? And then Web 2.0 is your, is your, is your Reddits, is your, is your Facebooks, where, where, web, where it's more of a platform. User-created Yeah, it's, it's more of a platform, and then the, the, the users create the content. That's entirely what Reddit is, but... But I actually find stuff like Reddit more useful than like news websites or like a lot of other websites. I spend a lot of time on Reddit, by the way, and I'm sure you do too all the time. And I spend time on Twitter, which is again all user created content. But MMORPGs and video games have have 
outside of Minecraft, which by the way is still arguably one of the most successful like video games ever, and outside of like Roblox, video games are still very much web 1.0. You know, MRPs have kind of been like the players are kind of creating narrative in between each other, but it's always the world that's created for us by Square Enix or, or Blizzard and whatnot, or by Nexon. But I want to see players make everything. I, I want the game to be the platform and the content to be made by players. And at least MapleStory 2 is doing it on the cosmetic front. I think that's a, that's a very optimistic. And I, and I think it was tried with things like Second Life, and it just didn't catch on somehow. I don't think... you can, Hold on. You cannot... Compare, it, we, we, whatever Second Life was, it was a hot garbage mess. In fact, even today, I challenge you to play Second Life and try to figure out what the hell is going on. I, I can't play it today, but remember, when it came out, that was the generally accepted UI principles. You know what I'm saying? No. Like... At no point was that generally accepted UI. That was, if you play that game, I challenge anyone on the stream to go download Second Life. There's a free, you can play it for free, by the way. And, and just try to like figure out what the hell is going on. And try, like, try to like get clothes from people and put it on. It makes no sense. It's unintuitive. And it's, it's unbelievably bad. In fact, maybe we can't do it for a Grand Fest Friday because it's banned on Twitch. But I, I want to like sit down with you and watch you try playing Second Life. It's actually atrocious. Wait. It might be worse than Final Fantasy XI. I was about to say... The, everything you're saying can also apply to Final Fantasy XI, which which was a pretty pretty mainstream MMORPG when it came out. Mm-hmm. So I think but, it's just a matter of the age of these games. Like Eve Online and Star Wars Galaxies were both what you're talking about. No, right? they are no. Why? Neither of those games come even close to as poorly designed UI. No, no. As a, I mean, I mean, they're both kind of like 2.0 in, in terms of the the narrative is entirely uh, driven by players. No, but still, so much of the world in games like Star Wars Galaxies and um, are, are just designed by the by the developers, right? Mm-hmm. Oh. Ideally, my ideal like next generation and more PG is going to be the company basically creates assets and lets you use those assets, like the Unreal Engine or like Unity Engine. But all the framework for the game is already built, and players are just making their own zones, their own areas in an easy to use way. And it, obviously, that's easier said than done. No one's done it yet, you know. But that's that's the ideal, I think. Where you know. The reason behind that is so obvious. It seems like you can never make a an online an MMO like as perfect. There's just so much shit you have to do to make an MMO, and if you can crowdsource that to everybody playing the game already, it could truly be something amazing. Rather than just one company working on it, it's very idealistic. I know. Yeah, but uh, well, this is this has been the dream for MMOs. I think for me. Well, to uh, to kind of bring you back down to earth, um, the one technology that has the slightest possibility of moving the technical scope of MRPGs forward is spatial OS, right? Mm-hmm. And this is uh, something we've heard about for years now and not much has come of it, but there are more projects down the line that are trying to use it. So, Omar, you linked me this video earlier today. I'm going to play it. Yeah. Um, this is a game that was announced over a year ago now, right? I remember... I believe so, yeah. So it's January called... 2017. Hi, everyone. Yeah. Welcome to the... Meet this guy. So this is uh, Fractured. This, is an, uh, uh, this guy is based in Italy. He's a former developer at uh, Link Realms, which shut down, by the way, this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this, this is some kind of isometric uh, sandbox open world MRPG. And uh, he's getting ready to for his Kickstarter. So it's over a year since announcement, but now they're getting ready for Kickstarter. Uh, they're going to use Spatial OS. But uh, it, to me, it doesn't look... Okay, so I'll, I'm going to go forward here. So it looks the gameplay, yeah. Yeah, it this to me looks like an early two thousand uh, action RPG. You know, like yeah, like what? <laughs> I don't, I don't know what the uh, 
what the, the magic here is the well, yeah well, yeah like what is the selling point here i don't know well there's you know when you look at just the video by itself it doesn't seem very uh very inspiring however uh the game promises to be an, you know, typical Diablo or Path of Exile style ARPG, but with a persistent open world and actual MRPG elements. And they say it was going to be a sandbox game as well, with uh, interactable terrain and everything too. So you can like, you know, you could do stuff and maybe build stuff on on the maps themselves. Which when I'm looking at this, I'm I'm not seeing any interactable terrain. Maybe by interactable terrain they mean like, uh, you know, like in Diablo or Path of Exile, you see like a, a box, a crate, a barrel. You just left click on your character, kicks it. Maybe, maybe that's what they mean. But like, it just I don't know. They, what we're seeing right now is it's a very early build of a, of a Diablo-like game. How they're going to make this to a persistent world with uh, sandbox elements remains to be seen. And obviously the game remains unbelievably basic as is right now. They're calling it a... I hate this terminology. It's a pre-alpha. Okay? What can't just call it alpha? Or like you know, development al- build? You know alpha... What, what is pre-alpha? Isn't alpha the first letter in the alphabet? Yeah. The Greek alphabet? So, yeah. number, so it's number one. You can't be pre-number one. Like the f- so what comes before A in the alphabet? Pre-A? We start it's, calling it pre-A? It's a null. There's nothing. There's none. Zero. If you say your game is pre-alpha, that's like saying you got nothing. Yeah. I, I agree with that, actually. If you say pre <laughs> automatic pre-alpha equals you got zero. You got zilch. You better yeah. not saying alpha. Yeah. But I think they just don't want to say alpha because like alpha might mean they're, they're, they're further along than they actually are. I don't know. It, it just, it's just nonsense. But anyway, these guys... um. Uh, they raised he the, they claim to have raised a hundred thousand dollars from investors, which seems out to me. Hundred thousand, you know, that's pretty pretty low sum of change for uh for for you know probably friends and family is what he means. He probably raised hundred thousand dollars from friends and family because they didn't name any investors. I feel like if you raised money from investors, you would actually say which investors because that gives your game more credibility. And they're aiming to they're aiming to raise two hundred fifty thousand dollars on Kickstarter. And this goes without saying, guys, you guys already know I remain skeptical about Fractured as I remain skeptical about any. And more PG looking for funding on Kickstarter. Yeah, the only offense I will give them is uh, I don't think it's a scam. Like I think these guys are just passionate group yeah. of people that want to make a game. Uh, how successful they'll be is that that's an open-ended question. But I do think it, you know they're, they're they're trying to make a game. Yeah, I, I agree as well. The word scam I don't want me, I don't want to toss it around so easily because it's I I definitely think this guy behind it. It's uh, actually a relatively young guy, uh, Jacob Petro Gelelli. Some the, the Italian guy. I looked at his LinkedIn page. He worked previously at Mythic Interactive for it looks like seven months. He he worked on Link Realms, which never really saw much commercial success. But that was a real game, at least. You know, Link Realms was a thing. It was a Ultima Online clone that just it didn't really do very well, but it, it shut down pretty quickly. And before that, he worked for two years, uh, seven months at a company called Mega Zebra. Have you heard of Mega Zebra all the time? No, I've, I've only, I'm only familiar with the regular zebras. <laughs> well, Mega Zebras are, are kind of like zebras, but, but quite mega. <laughs> Let me show you uh, what game he's worked on, all right? Okay. I, I don't mean to poke fun at it, but just, just take a look at this game, all right? The guy who worked on this game is, is working on this MRPG. So just look at that video I linked all the time and just, just skip ahead a little bit. Oh, this is a Facebook game. Yes, they worked on Facebook games. This is like a really shitty Sims Online clone. Yeah. Which says something. So th- this is the main company he's worked at. And look, the guy, is, he's a young game designer, clearly, uh, you know, he loves MMORPGs. He worked on Link, Real- Link Realms, an arguably very hardcore MMORPG. So he, the guy behind it really likes MMORPGs, and he wants to make it happen. It's just that I don't think there's much, uh, you know, he's got some ex- some experience in the game industry, um, arguably more than the guy who did uh, Chronicles of Lyria. At least the guy who did Chronicles of Lyria was, like, independently wealthy. And the guy who did Ashes of Creation was independently wealthy. I mean, they're, they have net worth of probably, like, over $10 million each. They've both made their own money. 
and that they've been around a lot longer. This guy's the fact that he's so young and he's trying to raise money on Kickstarter. That also is a bit of a red flag. And from what I've what we've seen in the video, it's very, very, very early. So I don't recommend you go ahead and back it. I do recommend if, if you're interested in Asteroid Games, maybe just keep tabs on it. But I say I say save your money. All right, here's what I don't get. And again, I just saw this video today, and I wanted to come out. I think it just came out today, right? It came out tonight. Yeah, it came out. Today. So yeah, so I don't I don't have the details yet, obviously. So take it with a grain of salt. What I'm saying, but what what that we are seeing in this video requires spatial OS. Like this game is built. This game is built on Unity. Uh, on yep. the website it says Unity. Spatial OS is the whole um, seamless cloud server thing that a lot of games are now building themselves as like. Basically, I feel like spatial OS is being used as like a sprinkle of magic dust to like say your game is going to be amazing. You know, like Chronicles of Illyria did it till they ditched it. Um, yeah. Apparently, it's what's powering that one um, Worlds Adrift. And its ability yeah. to have like this huge persistent, uh, this unlimited persistent world, right? Because as the as as players progress, like if they keep going in one direction, uh, because of special OS, they can just spin up new servers to accommodate that. But what what we're not really seeing any building or anything. We're just this, this guy's killing mobs in like an action RPG style that yeah. that was that was possible in the year two thousand, right? So what are before we, that? Mu Online had this, and like Diablo One had this. Yeah. So what what are we seeing here that requires um some some like intense spatial OS? Like well, I think in the in the video he talks about having like thousands of players in the street at once for like epic uh, guild wars and stuff, right? And they're saying we have sp- we have spatial OS for that, right? Oh. But, but what what really kind of nags me is at the beginning of the video he says like, you know, we we have a team of seven people that have worked on this game in the, in the course of like seven months, and we're going to do this amazing stuff, and we have you know promising to have persistent world sandbox elements in an ARPG. He's saying the reason we can promise all these ambitious features is spatial OS. Like this is like the big mystery tool that's going to make our game into something amazing with like such few resources. And it's the same exact thing, if I remember correctly, is a Chronicles of Lyria's uh, head honcho said as well. In their Kickstarter campaign, they said basically like we can do all these amazing things that we want to do because of spatial OS. It's our secret sauce. It's going to make us, you know, make this game so quickly and so amazingly. And obviously now that we know, uh, Chronicles of Lyria is no longer working with Spatial OS. They ditched all that. And, you know, it just, they're using that as a buzzword to kind of like just fill in all the gaps of like what's possible and why they can do it is Spatial OS. And by the way, Spatial OS raised hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah. Um, Spatial OS itself is a real technology platform. But is it? Like, has, I mean, has, has, has it gone anywhere yet, though? Yeah. I don't think it's gone anywhere. Uh, I've been following this since. It got announced, you know, which, by the way, I think it's been like two years now and, and nothing has come up. Worlds of Drift is like the main game that uses this, mm-hmm. but that's it's also still in some kind of early alpha, right? Mm-hmm. So Wait, did, I, uh, did it uh, Jagex get a deal with uh, Spatial OS to they, like, work on another game with them? They said they work, they might work on a project together, in, but there's no like announced name for it or anything. Yeah, it just right now it looks like everyone working with Spatial OS seems to be these really indie studios, you know? It's like it's it's not like a real studio using their technology yet, which is, you know, I feel like if they had something really magical there, we'd be we'd see it used by, you know, EA, Blizzard or something, right? Why not? Yeah, exactly. I, I feel like um why wouldn't EA or Blizzard use this or Ubisoft? Because they, they have real need to scale, you know, the number of players they can have in one map or one yeah. like server. I don't know. Weird. I mean, I, I wish them luck. Again, obviously the guy is very passionate about MMORPGs, and I don't mean to, you know, uh, rain on his parade. I, I just don't think you should be funding any Kickstarter, you know, backed MMOs. I mean, if the game looks good when it comes out, buy it. Support it that way. That's usually the safest way to support these games. I, I love, uh, I'm on a special OS website, 
and they they have a few projects that they highlight you know games being made mm-hmm. with uh special os there's one called vanishing stars and I, I love the description it's uh blending unique elements of massive scale and meaningful persistence vanishing stars is the world's first massively multiplayer tower defense game no Ta- massive massively Hold multiplayer on. tower defense game Hold on, hold on. There are I'm, people that don't like our use of the word MMO. Yeah. I'm curious. Are they going to be pissed off about the word massively multiplayer tower defense game? MMOTD is going to be a new M- A new category on MMOs.com. The MMOTD. Uh, that actually sounds... I like tower defense games. They're fun, like, you know, games you play on your phone or on Flash games, right? But, like, how is the MMOTD going to work? I'm going to Google the name of this game. Is there, like, is there like 10,000 players building towers to stop, like, the, the line of units coming? It's revolutionary poggers. <laughs> I like Zen Exile's acronym instead. MMO. <laughs> That's fucking amazing, Zen Exile. I love it. I do. I, I agree. Tower defense games are legit fun, for sure. I'm just curious what a, what a MMO TD is gonna is gonna entail. The future of tower defense games. Omega Law. <laughs> so you're powered by spatial OS boys. Oh, I'm, I made the foolish. Uh, uh decision to click into um, one of their trailers and of course yeah. it's just uh art renderings there's, there's nothing else <laughs> look at this gameplay guys look at this gameplay look at this look this, let this video play in the background this is this is what i hate the most when, when games like show off shit like this real talk not a single player cares about this art bullshit all right never never does anybody want to see this garbage we want to see gameplay actual gameplay not nonsense or, or pre-scripted nonsense pre-rendered stuff we want to see someone playing the game that's what we care about and this video is like the perfect example of the most useless kind of video. Oh wait, I'll might... like, give that. I give that a dislike. Give that a dislike. All right, I, 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 I demand a dislike. Is this the game? Is this out? This looks awful. This kind of looks like um, what's that Total Annihilation game? The new one with the the newish one with the planets. Yeah, we we bought it, didn't we? Yeah, 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 yeah. I forgot what it's called though. This kind of looks like that. It Pla- does actually. Planetary Annihilation? Is that it? Like, yeah, yeah, that, that's it. That's it. Planet, we play planetary annihilation. This looks like a, this looks like a shitty like browser or mobile version of planetary annihilation. Yeah, at least we're seeing gameplay here now. Yeah, looks like Spore. Looks like Alpha. Yeah, I mean, whatever. They're doing something with Spatial OS apparently. That's that's the spiel over here. Yeah, I, I don't get what this has to do with Spatial OS, but there I'm is. not quite sold what the MO elements are right now. I see like I see like a one on one battle going on over there, <laughs> like a traditional tower defense game. I'm not seeing the MO elements at all myself, but. This, uh, this looks like an RTS to me, not a not a yeah. not a tower defense, but yeah. What do I know? <laughs> I'm not an MOTAR. Discover the new generation of ass clownery. Look, at least at least you gotta give them props for like trying to make an MOTD, all right? It's it's something a little bit different. Is there any other you know genre we can MMOify that hasn't been like oh, MMOified yet? I like the term like, MMOify. MMOify. What about I'm I'm sure that well they probably already have an MO chess. Where it's just one giant board. Everyone controls one unit. You spawn as one unit. <laughs> I don't no, know. It should be like you know. You you. There should be an MMORPG that like with with classic you know quests like you kill rats and like a three D world with quest givers. Mm-hmm. You start as a pawn and like at level ten is like a job change to like a a rook or like a, a bishop. Bishop then, or a horse. A yeah, and then a rook and yeah. then a queen. Drift <laughs> <laughs> City actually. Somebody mentioned Drift City in the chat. Drift City is actually I would say one of the definitely one of the more original uh, MMO kind of games out there. It's like this. I guess Grand Theft Auto online, but with a cartoony MO look. It was kind of fun. I, I, Drift City was on EG. Then they were they were at least original. I think there's um 
Isn't, isn't there an Ubisoft kind of racing game that's out right now? Yeah, it's, it's coming out. Or if not, it's already. Yeah, I forgot what it's called. It's, it's, a, it's a racing game. I know, we, but we wrote the news on MMOs.com, but yeah. I forgot, I forgot yeah. already. World, World of Speed? Is that it? Maybe. Well, that sounds like one of them. Sounds like one of them. But I do think we need to see some more, uh, some more original stuff in MMOs. Actually, think no. Think about original stuff. Somebody mentioned in the pregame, Eat Eternal. Do you, do you remember that game by any chance, Altai? I do. It's one of those. Uh, it's by the Taiwanese company. Excellent games. Yeah, Excellent, yeah. yeah. But they had like this uh, pretty, I would say, revolutionary class system in that game where like, just this one feature alone, I think, made a pretty, it's a defining feature of the game. And it really, I just thought like, it was a really good idea. The way it worked was, you, you know, on a, you start as like a novice character. You, I think you pick one of like four base jobs, right? I, I haven't played this game in years. But you, your job level and your regular level kind of level up independently from each other. So you have a base level and a job level. And then once you like reach like level 20 warrior or something, you can unlock a knight, right? And you can, you can start leveling a knight, which starts back at level one. And then you can level up a knight, and then you can go back to like an archer, which is one of the base jobs, and level that one up as well. So you can have all these classes under one character. And then you can actually get like maybe if you have level 20 archer and level 20 uh, like rogue. If you have both those level 20, you can become like an acrobat or something. It's a like, combined form of that. And there's like multiple different paths for different jobs. I, I remember playing that. I, I had so much fun with it because it's just unlocking all the classes was really, really fun. I mean, maybe the classes weren't balanced, but this idea of unlocking advanced jobs look, was awesome. Because job advancements, I always thought was really fun, unlocking new jobs. And just having those job advancements mixed with other classes in order to unlock, like, combined jobs was mega awesome for me. And I remember just playing this game a lot, just unlocking all the jobs and trying to level them all up at once. I'm just kind of sad we haven't seen any, any other more people do that. You know, where you, the games that you have this kind of system, like Final Fantasy XIV, there's no interplay between the jobs. You know, you have, they're all separate. I think I think that kind of uh, first of all I agree it's a great concept it was it's a yeah. lot of fun but I think that kind of was sacrificed at the altar of balance so that's that's one of the casualties of this like uh, drive for balance. But does anybody really care about balance yes, anymore? Yes. I feel like if you're playing maybe League, I don't. Playing you don't. Go, but, but people do. I I would say I play most quite a bit. I I I've always thought like just fun is the most important part about you know most you know and, and and the beauty about balance it doesn't make sense either because. You know, Final Fantasy XIV is a separate system for PvP where like all the abilities do different things in PvP. Like, and I'm sure WoW is their own adjustment for PvP as well. So PvP is kind of balanced differently anyway in like a lot of MMOs. So it's, it's weird that you know we lose these fun concepts to balance in PvE. Well, I would disagree with you. I think on that on the point about the PvP in WoW and Final Fantasy, I think I agree with you in Final Fantasy. Uh, PvP is this totally separate regulated thing, right? It's, it's like regulated to a separate arena. But uh, when WoW, actually, I, I can't speak of WoW today. But when WoW Vanilla came out, it wasn't the way you're saying. It was you know, PvP was intertwined from the from the from the origin of the game, like the whole faction. Yeah, know, yeah, that's true. So it's in not. Yeah, so it was. But the way it exists now is different. Probably. I, yeah, I haven't played it. I am looking forward to playing Battle of Azeroth, by the way. But that's in August. But uh, when Vanilla came out, it was it was certainly intertwined. Like you were you were meant to PvP. From level 10, 20, 30, you know, in the open world as you progress, you know, so mm-hmm. it, with other factions. So it was definitely designed with that in mind, with the balance in mind. I just feel like the classes need to turn on. I'm, I am kind of sad that we never saw other MMORPGs really experiment with the, the classes the way Eden Eternal did. And, and even just like job switching, just, just being able to play other other classes, you know, you're bored of playing a mage, go play, uh, go play something else. I thought it was really well done. I, it wasn't I, a perfect game, but it was just it was neat to unlock all the classes like that and play them. I'm I'm playing a video of some gameplay from Eden Eternal, and this actually mm-hmm. reminds me of uh, Flife, actually. 
That's the mm-hmm. first thing that came to my mind. It's got the bright look on it yeah. too. This game has a pretty fun emotes as well. I mean, that, maybe that's why I remember this game so fondly. There was a caramel dancing emote. This game's emote game was on point. It's no Final Fantasy XIV emotes, but the emote game was definitely on point. But yeah, yeah, if they remade this, be nice. But it just—it's sad to see so many MMORPGs not really go too ambitious with their design principles. You know, we could talk about like the the big games launching now, like Aaron Bless. I think I think Bless looks like I'm going to play Bless when it, when it launches. I have a couple of friends that are hyped for it, but you know, it really doesn't do anything too too new. It's the same experience. I'm trying to think. Can you can you say what is the most like the one defining or the unique aspect of Bless that other games don't do? Like, does anything come to mind for you? No. The Hans Zimmer. Hans Zimmer comes to mind for the soundtrack. I guess, yeah. They, they paid the, this Hans Zimmer guy to make the soundtrack. I mean, but I'm trying to think. Maybe, maybe like the open world zones, like how like massive the, the zones look is kind of cool, I guess. But you've had that with like seamless games. Like, you know, even Revelation Online has like this, this seamless open world. And Lineage 1 had a seamless open world as well. So that's not really too original for, for uh, Bless Online. So I'm trying to think. I don't know. So many games don't have like, oh, that's really cool. That's different, you know. Arguably, Final Fantasy fourteen spiel is there is having all these classes on one character, you know, and Eden Eternal spiel is the really advanced class system. But I feel like there's, there's no spiel for a lot of games. I'm uh, I'm actually playing a uh, X Legends most recent game, which is uh, Grand Fantasia Mobile, and uh, it's actually a step down, I think, from Eden Eternal. <laughs> well, yeah, of course, it's on mobile. <laughs> Yeah, but between okay, so someone mentioned in the chat too. But between bless and air, I think I'm more uh, hyped about air because I, I, it's gonna have what bless has, right? Unreal three game, you know, basic mechanics of like the, mm-hmm. how, how you move and stuff. But it's gonna have this whole aerial thing, this um, steampunk aesthetic, and you have to think that with all the money PUBG made, right? All the hundreds of millions of dollars PUBG made, some of that has to be poured into air, right? Yeah, so I think that's a I think it's a good uh, indicator there. Yeah, I think they look pretty similar. I've seen gameplay videos for Air, and it looked pretty similar. I've seen Cry's video talk about uh, about Air as well. I think he played the Korean uh, Korean beta, and he talked about how similar it was to Bless. So I'm gonna play both. I'm gonna try both, but I just feel like there's no everyone seems to be trying to make it safe in more RPG, and not really trying to rock the boat in terms of just making things fun and different. I think class are a really good way of doing that. But again, it's, I haven't seen it in Bless. This air Maybe classes, the fact is, yeah. These air classes look amazing. I'm looking at this uh, mm-hmm. Cry's uh, character creation video. I like the steampunk aesthetic to it. I, I want to play the guy with the guns. <laughs> uh, it's Z, me too. I'm personally most hyped by far for MapleStory 2 than both Bless and uh, Air. I mean, both Bless. The, again, it comes down to Bless and Air look like good games. But it feels like this is stuff I've already done before. But obviously, it's starting over again, doing the journey again is a fun experience. That's why I want to play them. But at least in MapleStory 2, I know I'm getting something a bit different. It's going to be... I've played the Korean version. It's not like other MMORPGs. It'll be, a, hopefully, a totally new experience. It does look a bit like BDO's uh, character creator, though. Okay, FGT, obviously... Uh, I, I think a lot of people were hyping Revelation Online uh, before, before it came out. And uh, I think after our first video for Revelation Online, I did, we, did, we did kind of mention how repetitive it was. It's really bizarre, actually, how Revelation Online kind of progressed. I remember 
it just seems like nobody playtested it because the first two hours of like literally no joke the first two and a half three hours of bless of, of revelation online is talking to an npc and auto running somewhere talk to another NPC, to auto run somewhere else, to talk to another NPC, to auto run somewhere else, to auto run to the beach and pick up some flowers on the ground, to auto run to another NPC, and you feel like you, ha you, you haven't done anything for the first three hours of the game. And when you're finally done with all that bullshit, you, the game finally opens up, and you're like a billion items in inventory that you don't you know what they do, because uh, it was it's really the, frustrating. The pacing setup. was beyond awful. Uh, yes, beyond awful. That's a quote. MMOs.com, beyond awful. And... Because there, there was there was position there were, there were certain levels that you were supposed to like stay at and then do all this other side stuff before you mm -hmm. level up because otherwise you ruin like your character or something. It was just stupid. Mm -hmm. The pacing was definitely definitely odd. Uh, I'm, I'm people a lot of people complain about MapleStory one and the way Nexon handled it, but I think the reboot server uh, on MapleStory is a lot of fun. And I, I don't know, I, I never had a big problem with Nexon uh, with their with their business model. I mean. The fact that you had to rent costumes was mega stupid, but I think you can buy costumes permanently on MapleStory 1 now. I know for the longest time it was always re it was rental-based on the American version, but I forgot when they changed that. I'm okay with that. If you ever, what, okay, well, speaking of Nexon, what I was not okay with, I believe in combat arms, you could not own guns, like the premium guns. You had to, yeah, own, you had to rent them. See, that's different. If you, if you had to rent costumes, that's fine. You know, who's, who cares? It's just cosmetics. But, mm -hmm. but if you have to rent guns... Uh, like premium guns, you can't have, you can't own them. That's just stupid. Yeah, I think luckily I that that died down though. I, I don't think any of the free to play shooters today require you to just rent guns. Yeah, uh, most games are giving you permanent options now. I think Black Squad really kind of set the standard now for like what's what's good. Black Squad's got a really good business model actually. Uh, you don't have to pay any money for that game. Just by playing it for free, you can unlock you know basically permanent guns very quickly. I only have like probably six, probably ten hours to Black Squad, maybe a little more, and I already have many, you know, permanent guns unlocked. I mean, can you say I don't want to continue to pay for cosmetics over time? I want one, I want a one-time buy. Yeah, I, I want like, I want Nexon to include a cute Korean girl to suck my dick when I buy a cute costume in the game, but they're not going to do that. You know, obviously we, the player, want as much as we can get, and the company wants to give us as little as possible, and we meet somewhere in the middle. You know. Well, I mean, for me, I just don't care about cosmetics. So I don't care if they make you rent it, buy it. It doesn't like register for me. But, but whether you care about the cosmetics or not, I think, you know, whether the fact that they're going to charge you differently, I don't think it should matter. Like, if it's something you care about too, that shouldn't change. As long as I, the one thing you kind of have to defend is like the balance, where they can't make it pay to win. Well, yeah, and that's what I'm saying. If 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 I, if I have to if I have to grind like two days worth of currency to rent a gun for one day, yeah, I, that's bullshit. Then you can't yeah. really play the game then. Yeah, exactly. I remember Nexon was on ball with gachas before mobile games were even a thing. Do you guys remember that? Like Nexon's gacha pawns was like mega popular before mobile games like even existed. I mean, a lot. I think maybe other Korean games did that as well. We didn't really see gachas and and loot boxes uh, in America like super early. I think Korean games were way ahead of their time for that. Well, you just mentioned a hot button topic this week. Oh, the, that's the, worth mentioning. So I don't actually know much of the story. Uh, do you? So the, uh, yeah, I, I read the gist of it. Yeah. So I think, honestly, I think this is going to be bad for PC gaming because PC gaming. So this whole loot box thing. So I, I guess I should just say what's happening. So the Netherlands, yeah. uh, the government is cracking down on loot boxes, and they're saying uh, it's basically it's gambling. It's going to be regulated. They really cracked down on uh 
a couple companies in particular. I believe um, who got their ire? I think Overwatch got the ire. EA got the ire. Uh, PUBG and Dota. PUBG, Dota, uh, FIFA, FIFA, and Rocket League got the ire. Now in Europe and the Netherlands, there are currently mobile games. Okay, like uh, Clash of Clans or whatever, getting away with murder. They're, they're making hundreds of millions of dollars selling shit in their shit games to shit players, okay? Now, mm-hmm. whereas real games like Overwatch, real games like Dota, real games like Counter-Strike are getting shit, like, are, are getting punished now for their uh, loot boxes. So some people think um, some people think it's a good thing, right? That the government is going to basically stop these loot boxes. Mm-hmm. But, but, but what's really going to happen, in my opinion, and uh, we'll see, time will tell if I'm right, is these companies are going to realize, well, f- well, if this is being regulated in PC... If a PC game that costs us so much money to make is being regulated and I can't monetize it, I'm not going to make PC games. I'm going to make shitty mobile games, right? Where there's a, apparently no regulation, right? You can literally just sell power straight up. Like you can you can be paid to win as you want. Um, no regulation. It costs a, it costs a fraction to make these mobile games. So what I see is uh, real companies like EA are going to pour more of their money into mobile games, and and we're just not going to get as many PC games. So that, that, that's what's going to happen, I think. That's interesting. You're right. That we, you know, we, during this whole loot box controversy, we never really heard discussions about mobile games. And like you said, these mobile games, I feel like the, getting away with murder might be an exaggeration. But no, it's not exaggeration. It's real. But, but but what these mobile games do, I would argue, is is a hundred times worse than what uh, Battlefront Two from oh, yeah. what EA did. Did nothing. Like a hundred times worse. Yeah. So interesting. I never I never thought from that perspective that gamers who are pissed off at EA and the loot boxes are really, what they're doing is digging their own grave to a degree. 100%. I think they're digging their own grave. Because at the end of the day, what what you're saying, it could definitely happen. Where, why would you develop, why would you spend $100 million, $50 million making a quality PC game that we enjoy and that most of us enjoy here, when you can just make a garbage uh, pay-to-win waifu collector or gacha game or pay-to-win strategy game and make 10 times more money, you know? Yeah. like The, the, the highest cost of games in the world are mobile. Like EA uh, made Battlefront, Battlefront 2, right? Yeah. It's a visually beautiful game, all, all this yeah. stuff going on. And they got shat on for their loot box. Imagine instead they made uh, Battlefront 2 Mobile, okay? Where it's it's shit graphics, like cartoon crap, like like, like these blocky polygony graphics. Uh, you basically collect our... Th- you got to open like these loot boxes. You got to open like a million loot boxes to get a, a gold uh, uh, Darth Vader. Darth Vader. Yeah. yeah. Like, like, like fake grand order, same same business model as fake grand order. Okay, we gotta spend like ten thousand yeah. dollars opening this bullshit to get the golden. And, and he literally just one shots everyone else. Like it, it's there's no semblance of balance, right? Yeah, they'd be fine. They'd be in the clear. There'd be no regulatory uh, lashback. Because yeah. there's no lashback when these mobile games do the shit they do. I mean, yeah. the drop rates too are insane. Like I remember when Nintendo, you know, with with uh with the Fire Emblem Heroes, the drop rates for five stars. I forget what they were. I think you were an article on it was like six percent or something. I don't the remember. drop rates for for basically the rarest characters in Fate Grand Order are like one percent, which is insanely low. It's one of the lowest of any gacha game. They make over a billion dollars a year, and I, I haven't really heard any like outcries to regulate these games. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So I think um, I I wonder why they decide. To, here's here's my guess. This is a guess. I think PC gamers are older, right? So they're in their yeah. 30s or, or like late 20s, like like us. Like I'm 29. I'm I'm guessing a lot of these PC gamers are my age or older, and people my age and older, basically you know we work, we vote, and we're like the in, the, in like I guess the the middle class of a society. We're not we're not kids. We're not ignored like kids, right? By politicians. Yeah. So 
my, me complaining to my politician, who's probably my age, you know, maybe he's maybe he's my former classmate in college, right? He's gonna listen to me. Whereas mobile gamers are just no one, you know, it's just that's the default now. You know, being no paid to win, yeah, it's it's like a pay to win is like default in mobile gaming. Yeah, I mean it's it's sad, but you know, not that I, you know, what's what's weird is I, I don't see a problem with Overwatch's uh, loot box system Me or the loot box. And, and here's here's a spiel of the article, by the way. Uh, the Netherlands was regulating them as, as gambling because I think the reason why PUBG and it's weird because Dota, uh, League of Legends got a pass, which is weird because League of Legends has no loot box system too now, which operates essentially the same way the one in Overwatch does, right? But I can understand why PUBG and Dota 2 got got maybe targeted because the loop, the items you can get in those games and the loot boxes, you can actually sell directly for for Steam Cash, right, on the marketplace, or via third party websites, literally get US dollars for them. So if you're willing to let just open a box with the click of click of one button on Steam, you can open a loot box for CS:GO and sell the items for US dollars instantly on a website that buys those skins for cash. So, so you literally just, it's a form of gambling, like literally, it, it's no that is no different than gambling if you do it that way, right? So I understand that perspective. I don't Overwatch where you can't like transfer those uh yeah why items. Lo- yeah why did Overwatch get blamed? I don't understand. Uh, I, don't, I don't I I genuinely don't understand why you know people are shitting on while while they Overwatch got targeted and League got ignored and other games got ignored. It's really League is doing the same shit that Overwatch is doing, but League I don't know maybe they had better lawyers. I don't know they they presented the case better, but it, it, there there is a distinction to be said for CS:GO and Dota 2 the way the marketplace works, the way those items are tra- tradable, I just the way League. And Overwatch works. I just had a revelation. Let's go. Revelation Online. Here we go. Let's go, Revelation. Let's hear the revelation for Revelation Online. Here's why Lee got the pass. When I opened Lee Client, I op- I actually patched the league and played one game like like last week, just for fun. Okay. And I remember they're, they're like they had loot boxes now, right? Which I didn't know about. Um, but they had these blue shards, like blue essence, right? Yeah. It's a little confusing. I wasn't like I I was I didn't know what was going on, so I, I just ignored it. And I think that's what saved it. If you open Overwatch, right? There's literally a section where you can see the box and buy the boxes. Like a screenshot I'm showing on the screen right now. It's very yeah. obvious, right? And this is why Chinese games obscure things. There's like 20 currencies that build on each other and like they do stuff. It's to obscure the fact it's gambling. So mm-hmm. if you're like a 50-year-old regulator looking at this game, you launch the game, you got no fucking clue what's going on. It's, it's all just blab to you, right? There's like mm-hmm. charge and essences and and coins and, and and tokens, but but it doesn't make any sense to you, so you ignore it. You go fuck this. But but if you see literally a box with a price and you can click it to open it, then it's gambling. So the obscuring factor in these Chinese games is to get around their local uh, regulations for gambling. Okay, for th- clarification's sake, uh, Overwatch was not targeted. The games that were targeted were FIFA 18, Dota 2, PUBG, and Rocket League. Rocket oh, League. Why Rocket League? I don't know. Rocket League does not use the Steam marketplace, by the way. They, so they, I'm curious. Can you tra- can you even trade? Can you trade cosmetics in Rocket League? I've played Rocket League, but and I've, I've unlocked cosmetics. But can you trade cosmetics? And who's played Rocket League? Can you trade cosmetics in Rocket League? I'm curious why Rocket League got targeted then. Because essentially, is that the same system that Overwatch has? I don't know. I, I again, I've played Dota 2 and PUBG on that list, but I've never played FIFA 18 or Rocket League. Trading is. Odd. A- if trading is not the issue, then then there's no there's no way to monetize it, right? Oh, Rocket League it... does have a trade system for skins. Okay, that's what oh, so the okay. skins you get are tradable. That's so it looks like that's what the what the line in the sand is for this local um this local regulatory agency in Netherlands is that trading these cosmetics is what makes it gambling. I, I, 
can you at least understand their approach? You know, if you, how is it different if I go to a slot machine and I, and I pay ten dollars, make a spin, or five dollars, make a spin, if I, or or buy a key for two dollars fifty cents in uh, in CS:GO, and I, and I instantly sell the contents of the box for PayPal. Well, does it mean that just means uh, giving players more ownership of what they're paying for is being punished? Yeah, but yeah, exactly. Wouldn't that be a net positive though if you give yeah. players the ability to trade the items they've already unlocked? It would be like this. Imagine, imagine uh, you buy a game like uh, Smash Brothers, Super Smash Brothers Melee, right? That game, the GameCube game, is currently worth more than it cost when it was a retail game. And this is true of a few games like Zelda, like Ocarina of Time or whatever. Right? There's a few games yeah. out there that are worth more today. It's collector items now. Collector items, rare items, whatever, right? So is that gambling? So imagine I buy something and it's worth more like a year later uh, because there's a demand for it. It's, that's not gambling. Because so many yeah, items, in, weird. You're right. so many items in Dota are worth more uh, later, not not the not the day you open it, because they become like they they you know they become rare. Same with PUBG, right? Because like there's like, there's a crate that drops, and it only drops for that season, and there was drops again, yeah, yeah. And so so the value presumably will go up as if people want that item later seasons, but it can't get it anymore. I think what makes more sense is imagine a game like Hearthstone, because I mentioned physical TCGs, right? So imagine Hearthstone, right? In Hearthstone, you cannot trade your cards, but you can you can dust them, right? So if Hearthstone uh, allowed players to trade their cards and a, and a third-party marketplace existed to, to sell your cards for U.S. dollars, it would be considered gambling under the same logic that PUBG and Dota 2 are considered gambling. Which is weird because today, a kid can go to a comic book store and buy a pack of Pokemon cards and like, and, and but you can sell those cards back to the store if, if, you, if you draw a rare one, right? They'll pay yeah. you for the rare one. Yeah. Is that gambling all of a sudden? Are, are Pokemon cards and Magic the Gathering cards, are Yu-Gi-Oh cards gambling? I don't understand the double standard that exists for PUBG and Dota 2 that doesn't exist for physical card games. Wait, so why did EA get punished then? Could you, for FIFA. Could, I, I've never played FIFA, no, no, so I don't know. For, oh, so they didn't get punished for Battlefront, right? That was just hype. No, no, no. no, no, no this is FIFA 18. Okay. And I, I, don't, I don't play sports games. Besides uh, besides Freestyle 2, which, which is the best sports game. So I think that's what the what the... Again, it's weird because it doesn't apply to physical goods. And I, but if you lock the ability to trade those items, don't you hurt the player? Yes. Like, I feel like that's only like a positive for for gamers to have access to their goods that they buy. Imagine being able to trade your skins in League of Legends or or in Hearthstone. If you could trade your cards, you could actually get the decks you want faster. It just seems like giving players more shit ends up creating more problems, like regulatory problems, which is which is which I think is going to actually hurt PC gaming. Yeah, me too. It's especially going to hurt the kind of things that you want to see, the, the kind of player created content, some kind of marketplace, like uh, for like you know people making like selling their goods that they create in the game. That's all going to be regulated away. It's going to be like one. It's going to be like mobile games where it's basically a single player game and you're paying for content like figure in order. What's bizarre is actually people would end up like losing more money if those third party marketplaces didn't exist. Because I'm thinking PUBG, right? I know my buddy Canaris plays this as well. And the way like, I wanted to buy punk boots when I played PUBG, right? Because it was like a, it was a pair of boots in the game you, you could draw from the first crate, right? They weren't particularly rare, but you had to probably open like fifty, like thirty crates to get them, right? Because it might take you a while to get them. But I would just open these crates and I would sell the garbage I get, like these T-shirts, for a couple pennies on Steam, right? And I would use those couple pennies to buy the punk boots I wanted, which which made my character look cool, right? If if it wasn't for that system, I might I might end up buying more loot boxes, you know, than. I normally would have just. I I I I've never spent money on PUBG besides buying the game originally. And the ability to resell my items to get the items I want seems like a win for players. And it'll, I think it'll, it'll make players end up spending less money overall. If you could trade your garbage Overwatch skins 
for the or the legendaries in Overwatch that you don't use for the ones you do use, there'd be there'd be less people buying Overwatch skins, I, loot boxes. I agree, and it, the, the the comparison you're making, I think, kind of works for like used games. Like if you go to GameStop, you can buy a used game and you can sell your games back to GameStop. Yeah. But what why people like why companies like digital copies like on Steam is because there is no possibility of resale. Mm-hmm. Right? If you if you if a game is registered to your account, you can't sell it to someone else. Uh which is bad for players, but good for uh the companies. I mean ultimately I mean look we 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 do look at this from I, I would like you know both sides, but I, I feel like I look at the most on the player side. And and I feel like if PUBG and Dota close off their, their Steam marketplace. It's a net loss for players overall, because that seems to be the problem. No, because so far it looks like no authority has a fundamental problem with loot boxes themselves. That that was never the problem. It's simply the gambling element, which is created by the third party marketplace, what makes it gambling. So at the end of the day, we might get shittier products with, with, with less we can do with them. I am. I've said this before in private, uh, off off like stream. I am almost certain that the Steam marketplace will be shut down in a couple of years. It's wow. just, it's too big of a liability. Uh, there's too much. There's too much money. Imagine. I bet you right now there are drug dealers using that to move millions of dollars around. Well, right? Like, don't you think so? Like with those Counter Strike skins or whatever. And I don't know. Dota Maybe. Items? I think so. Uh, I feel like you need bitcoins for that or something. Something better. Well, which is why Bitcoin is also being targeted by government. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it would be a fortune to see more 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 mobile games. I prefer my PC games, but you know. All right, what do we got now? What do we got next? We got next. Uh, next on acquired uh, the studio behind RPL. Some minor industry news. Have you heard about that? I did. Uh, apparently, they want the engine because RPL was yeah, probably on a, co- on a custom engine, and uh, they want to make more games with that engine. RPL is well, maybe like, maybe RPL will come out in America now. Who knows? When we played RPL, uh, yeah. When did we play this? It was a while ago. Oh, I, it's been it's been it's been a while. We played the Korean version. This is another one of those games that uh, you would think. In 2018 or the 21st century, the games would come out sooner worldwide after their local release. But this game has been out in Korea for a while now, and there's still no English uh, release announced. Mm-hmm. So, do you think this will come to America now? Uh, it's possible because this game actually came out in. Uh, they announced a Russian release like this year. Like a, a Russian version came out in the last few months, right? And the studio behind it, like. So, that was the first thing they left. Uh, the, the Asian, the, the their home market of Korea. I think it might be on Japan too, but the first thing they left the Asian, no, basically East Asian market. So because they launched in Russia and now Nexon bought them, Nexon has been saying for the longest time, for like the last two years, they want to boost their revenues that they make in North America and, and Western Europe. They want to get their games more in America. So this this might come out in, uh, in, in, you know, in America as well. And the logic being that Soul Worker seems to be doing pretty well. The game still gets over 3,000 concurrent users in, uh, on Steam alone. Well, it's only on Steam right now. Which is pretty decent numbers, considering you know closers and and Critica come nowhere near that big. I just from looking at your first look again, the visuals are so much more pleasing to my eye than so. Oh, Worker. they're beautiful. Yeah, they're they're, they're they're so pleasing and so smooth and crisp. There's something about the engine, or it, it runs unbelievably smooth as well. Yeah, it it, it, it runs lo- super yeah, smooth. It looks a lot better than uh, Soul Worker and Closers to me. I think Soul Worker looks pretty good too. So I, I, I think it looks better than much better than Closers, but I think Soul Worker looks pretty gorgeous. I guess when I say it looks, I don't mean like the the graphic like oomph. I mean like the the fluidity, like the the smooth. The fluidity is there. It's yeah. buttery smooth, and I, 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 I think people should give it a try if they haven't played it. If you have a Nexon Create account, 
which you can buy from MMOs.com. Yeah, we do sell them on MMOs.com. There's a link to them on the... Actually, what's, what's pretty remarkable is with the announcement of uh, MapleStory 2 coming out, a lot more people are searching Google for MapleStory 2, and people are so eager to play, they're buying MapleStory 2 uh, next on Korea account from us on MMOs.com. Our sales of MapleStory, of next on Korea accounts have went through the roof in the last two weeks. We sold a ton of those accounts. So how much are we selling for? We sell for 20 bucks. 20 bucks, guys, for to try all your favorite Nexon Korea games. Buy now. Don't wait. <laughs> there right. you go. That's our little infomercial there. <laughs> Let's see what else is happening in the MO space. Uh, Lost Ark. There was, there, was a, there was an interview for Lost Ark. I think they said they were going to be coming out in Korea this year. We have, a, we have a Korean release date. Might be an open beta release date or not, but it's something's happening this year for uh, in, in South Korea for, for Lost Ark. Though there's no word on an American release. If I had to guess, at least two years. One or two oh, years after the Korean release. Two years. Twenty so twenty. Yeah. It's a game we've all been hyped up for for a long time since we initially saw that trailer, but we gotta wait a bit longer, unfortunately. And Lost Ark is still on our list of highest rated games. Can you believe that? Animos.com? Of a like user rated game. It's always been on our top ten for like the longest time. And the game's not even out yet. People people are I don't know, people are super hyped. Uh but to be to be honest, remember when I saw that that one twenty minute trailer for Lost yeah. Ark, I, I I ran into your room, I got you, and we watched it again together because I was like, this is amazing. Yeah, yeah. that's so, what hype trailers can do to you, you know. Yeah. You know, there's of course we gotta wait a bit longer for that, but it's well, you know it's well, out of reach for now. Lost Ark is like the Elon Musk of MMORPGs, all right? N- never quite delivering. <laughs> Just hype. I got yeah. a I got a, a uplifting story. All right, let's hear it. Let's hear some uplifting news. Okay, so this week, uh, Ben Brode left Blizzard. Okay, he was the head of the uh, at, at, uh, the Hearthstone team. And I didn't know much. I, I've seen his face in all the trailers, right? Or their, their, like, their developer diaries or whatever for Hearthstone. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know his story. So I read this article. Polygon published it. This guy, he, in 2003, he was a pizza delivery guy. And he's delivering pizzas to Blizzard. Okay. Wow. Because he kept ordering pizzas a lot. And then he, you know, obviously, probably like loved games, and he applied for a, a game tester job. He was one of the, he's a Warcraft three game tester. So at the bottom of the rung, right? Uh, from there, he worked his way up to be a, a game designer uh, for Hearthstone, and then the lead designer. So this guy literally went from uh, f- within ten years, he went from well, fifteen years actually. From two, in two thousand three, he was delivering pizzas to uh, Blizzard to the lead designer for Hearthstone. That's impressive. And Hearthstone, we cannot, you know, underestimate the game's success. No, the game made, made over four hundred million dollars last time we got revenue data for from Super Data. Four hundred million dollars. The game is probably bigger now than it ever was. But a guy that goes from pizza delivery man to you know, being a designer for Hearthstone to being the lead designer is actually an incredible story. That's like that. That's like the nerd story that's gonna keep everyone like all the college dropouts like super hyped that like they can still make it. You know. Yeah, this is definitely the rags of riches story here. Uh, he's he left to uh, he's uh, working on his own game now. We don't know what kind of game it is. Like we, he hasn't announced if it's a card game or not. Which presumably, if I had to guess, probably maybe a hard ga- card game, but uh, some kind of video game. Uh, I wish him the best. He seems like a good guy. Uh, uh, but how does like how does like how do you how does an aspiring game designer or somebody that gets get, get into gaming who has no, you know, as a college rapper, like how do they get into this? Like how do like. People read about this guy's story, but like it doesn't help them get there. Like, how, how do you do it? I doubt you have, you have any particular insights on this, but what do you think? I think it's a grind. Uh, so what I would rec- if you want, it, first of all, what do you want to do in gaming? Do you want to be an art guy? Do you want to be the sound guy, the designer, developer? These are totally different jobs. If you want to yeah. be a designer specifically, 
I would suggest you start by learning a game like D and D and being a dungeon master. It's a cr- and, and don't run like the standard uh like uh, what do they call it? like the Neverwinter Nights campaign. Make your own campaign, make your own classes, uh, and go from there. And run some people through it, your friends, and get their you know feedback on the things you design, the features you design, the, cl- the classes you design. And then from and there, that's much more approachable than a video game. You know, you don't have to worry about the programming. It's all basically pen and paper. You know, it's something you can do right away. A, a designer doesn't do programming. Yeah. So don't worry about the uh, don't worry about the uh, the developer. If you want to be a developer, like a programmer, that's 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 a that's you know equally that's a valuable, thing. but it's a separate skill set. Uh, and then from there, you know, work on a board game, a card game. Uh, go from there. I think it's probably easier now than ever before because of one thing, because of one reason: modding. You know, if you can, if yeah. you can mod, make your own game on Gary's mod, for example, or even like, like think Warcraft Three custom maps. The guy who made Dota on Warcraft Three, uh, Ice Frog, he he literally has a job now at Valve, and he's probably made, he's probably worth like tens of millions of dollars, if not more, because of what he's made with Dota Two over at Valve. And it started entirely because of making a, a custom map for uh, for Dota Two. And it, uh, was I? I, I think Ice Frog was not the original creator of Dota. Right? He took over no, from no. Uh, uh, Yules was the original. Benginsu. Then, no, yeah. he, he took it from Ginsu. Ginsu came out to Yule, and then it was Ice Frog. But a better, a more recent example is uh, Brendan Green from uh, PUBG. There's a great. Uh, yeah. He's on. I watched the uh, H1H1, I think it's called, uh, podcast mm-hmm. where he uh, Brendan Green was on. He basically this guy's not. A, he, this guy was not a, a programmer. He was just a, mm-hmm. a guy. He was. I think he was either. I think he was a photographer. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was living he in Brazil. Wedding photos and stuff. Yeah. He was a wedding for, you know, wedding photographer, and he just uh, he just modded uh, Arma. You know. With no like prior, you know, programming experience, and he he you know he 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 made it big. And his story is actually amazing too. You know, he he's thinking he started with Arma, and now he's you know are this arguably one of the biggest games in the world is PUBG, and he is you know he's he's not a game designer per, per se, but he got started with just modding. And we have tools now. You can mod Skyrim, you can mod uh, Gary's mod, you can make maps for StarCraft too if you want. If you, you know, you, and you can do all this without. And Minecraft is a beautiful example now too. What kids are creating today with Minecraft. A lot of the aspiring, like a lot of the big game designers in the future, might, might be coming from Minecraft. Because how much shit you can do in Minecraft, oh, it's open ended. Undoubtedly, yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah, so it's it's probably easier now than ever to really, you know, get into that space in, in one way or another. And you, you could do it in an easier way than before with all the you know, modding existing games. Or Roblox, another good example. <laughs> Not that you know any of us have particularly made it as a as, as a game designer, but. Or anything like that, but this this seems like to be the route. And I talked to my friend Shirley about this a lot too. And she actually always says that if you want to get in, Shirley, uh, she was a designer for Riot Games, and she made uh, she made Lux, she made Pantheon, and I think she made a couple other heroes, and did a lot of balance stuff at Riot Games. Uh, she was there pretty early on, and you know stuff like designing board games and card games were actually mega important because you can understand the fundamentals of design when you're making games on pen and paper. And she still and she, she still runs D&D games, like a uh, role-playing game. All games. the time. She's yeah, yeah. huge into Dungeons & Dragons. Yeah. And that level of thinking, of making your own campaigns, of building worlds, and designing systems, is what essentially goes to the game development, too. And again, everything I'm repeating, I'm, I've heard from her in previous conversations. And I feel like she's got like, some credibility to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there you go. That's, that, that's how you do the Rack to Riches, boys. Or, or, or you just deliver pizza to, to Blizzard, come out with some great ideas, and make it happen. Indeed. I'll try looking. Uh, I have my nightlight on. Uh, Omar hates this thing, but uh, I always I'll use the flux. I hate it. Well, it's built into the built-in one. Yeah, yeah, nightlight. It's uh, it it dims the blue light coming from your monitor. 
That way, uh, you stay nice and healthy and sleep well. Or no, so. You, you, you look you look super orange. Real talk. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. Looks super. He looks like Trump. All right. Super I, orange. I'm channeling my president. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Not a fan. Not a fan of the. Of the orange. Even at nighttime, I'll close my. No, I'll, I'll close my my blinds even, and I'll, I'll, my my lights blasting my face, but I'll never turn on flux or the night I, light. Okay. I will recommend everyone on Windows 10 click the little bottom right notification window thing. Uh, do it. It's a trap. It, there might be a button called expand and you can turn on something called nightlight right click it go to the settings and play with it it's it's very mm -hmm. useful all right uh, we're running out of time over here but we talk a little more look we can talk about a little more about the purgatory that is rust if you want in the, in the post game because i've been hyped for rust yeah i want to hear your uh, war stories because it's always uh funny. it's good stuff all right so we will we will call it for youtube uh thank you for watching but we will stick around for twitch so stay with us all right, later for later for YouTube.